0: From the 600 ESPN El Paso River Oaks Property Schoolyard Sports Studio, here's
1: Steve Kaplowitz and
2: Adrian Broadus. You know, no offense to Diamondback fans, but I really hope the Rangers just put them out of their misery tonight for a lot of reasons. Number one, it would be their first ever world title. Number two, we can't air games six and seven because we have high school football and UTEP football back-to-back nights, so it really would be nice to air the final game of the World Series and not feel like we can't carry a games of six and seven. So, uh, you know, I mean, there's a lot of uh, things that uh, I will say or having to go with my greedy decision to want to see the series end tonight, but... After watching last night when the Diamondbacks scored a bunch of garbage runs, when the game was already long gone and 11-1 and to 1 was the score, although why Bruce Bochy brought in his closer with one out to go in the ninth inning blows my mind. Like, just leave LeClerc for tonight so he can just shut the door if it's a close game and not have to pitch back-to-back-to-back to back to back nights. Come on, Bruce. You, you know better than that. But, hey, listen. Ranger fans are going to be psyched. Three games to one lead. All they got to do is win one of the next three, and it's over. Diamondbacks are against the wall right now, and looking like their playoff dreams are going to go uh, go bye-bye uh, as early as tonight. Adrian, uh, I know the ratings have sucked like we've predicted but uh, it has been uh, it's actually been a pretty fun World Series.
3: Yeah, forget the ratings, man. I'm just a big fan of both these teams and what they've shown us uh, throughout this postseason. And what we've also seen from the Arizona Diamondbacks is when their backs are against the wall. And when you've counted them out and everybody else counts them out, that is when they are at their best. They're playing tonight with pretty much, you know, the backs against the walls. They can't afford another loss or else they're going home and they they will be at home without a World Series to play for. And they want to go back to Arlington. They want to try to uh, get this series to seven games. Uh, I know we're here in game five, but this is a pivotal one right here. If the Diamondbacks have any hope of uh, trying to rally back, it starts tonight. And I wouldn't put it past them. They've done it before. They did in the, uh, the Philly series. When everybody counted them out, they rallied back in that one to make it a great series.
2: Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. So um once again we got a lot to cover on the show today and uh, as you might imagine that will be uh, where we wrap it up we wrap it up at six o'clock tonight so we'll end the show in two hours we've got jay jaffe coming up to offer up his thoughts and a few and talk a little baseball and beer with jay jeff erickson in our five o'clock hour like normal time and uh marshall kaufman from king's promotions is going to join us right at five i was out at the public workout today i saw Uh, Jorge Tovar, I saw Stephanie uh, Hahn and had a chance to watch uh, some of the boxers that will be in action Friday night out at the Coliseum for Ring War 6. We'll be giving away a pair of floor seats to that on the show today, so definitely listen in for your chance to win. Uh, I'm excited about it. had a good time talking to both Stephanie and George, and they're ready to fight, ready to get going, and uh, more than anything, ready to bring boxing back to the Sun City here Friday night.
3: That's great news, Steve. I'm, I'm really happy about it. El Paso deserves all the boxing it can get, and uh, I'll tell you this, whenever there's any sort of combat sports here in the 915, El Paso shows out. It's definitely an interesting crowd whenever they show out, but El Paso always shows out, so I'm excited for this weekend.
2: I'm excited for this weekend, too. Uh, I, I really am, and I think it's going to be uh, a lot of fun. Um, meanwhile, as we uh, get started on the show... Uh, Colin Deaver broke this about half an hour before we went on the air today, but talking about uh, the three former New Mexico state men's basketball players found responsible of multiple university sexual misconduct violations, according to an NMSU office of institutional equity notice of determination, which was obtained uh, by KTSM through an anonymous source this week. So, The outside decision maker brought in from a consulting firm not affiliated with the university found that former NMSU players Kim Aiken Jr., Dr. Bradley, and DeShondre Washington had violated multiple university Title IX policies, including sexual assault and sexual harassment, through a hazing process the trio called Humbling Documents Show. All three were on the NMSU roster during the 22-23 season under then-head coach Greg Heyer. Uh, The uh, Office of Institutional Equity Notice of uh, Determination was issued earlier this week. Stems from the two separate cases, the first of which was reported to NMSU December 31st of last year and pertained to a student associated with the men's basketball program. The second report was made back in February of this year after the season was already canceled. And that was when Hire was fired when accusations of hazing, sexual assault, and harassment surfaced in the NMSU police report filed by former NMSU teammates of Aiken, Bradley, and Washington. Now, you guys might remember the $8 million sexual assault payout and hazing lawsuit settlement uh, back in June to former players Deuce Benjamin, Shakiro uh, Odeniwu, and Deuce's father, William Benjamin, uh, which was related to the uh, filing back in February. Now, according to Colin, uh, the, NMH, the New Mexico Attorney's General Office, uh, Attorney General's Office still actively investigating the case at large for potential criminal charges related to the allegations of sexual assault, harassment, and hazing. So, uh, once again, uh, that is the uh, story that, you know... Um, Well, the payout happened in June, but the report came out today, and Adrian, even though really nobody's on this roster anymore, the three former players found responsible are no longer enrolled at NMSU. I don't think anybody in this from last year's team is even enrolled. So uh, it will be interesting to see uh, what effects down the road this has on any of the individual parties that were involved.
3: Yeah, first time I'm reading this, so I apologize. I'm not uh, a little bit more up to speed on this one right here. Uh, for this one, I have a lot of questions. First off, I, I want to know uh, – Why this was released this week I know it was an anonymous source That sent this over to KTSM But why this week Uh, The outside decision maker I would love to know that Not affiliated with the university Want to know a little bit more about that But yeah, this is great reporting right here Also kind of reopens the can of worms That happened with all of the the horrible uh, things That were, uh, you know, alleged In this entire lawsuit Uh, We thought it was kind of over With the uh, payouts being sent out But then if all of this is true and all of this ends up happening, uh, to where, you know, the title IX sexual misconduct violations are actually legit, then what happens next? I mean, who do you start to point fingers at in the New Mexico athletic department or what happens after the fact?
2: When I see the story that was written, um, I'm still wondering, you know, um, are there other, Is there more information that is r- uh, released in this that we haven't had a chance to know? Or is this a lot of just confirming the reports that uh, came out in the police reports back in, in, in February? And by the way, I think what's really interesting is that um, NMSU records show that there may have been other possible victims beyond the complainants in the case. But the independent organization was not able to corroborate those claims despite trying to do so. So wow. there you go.
3: Yeah, there's still a lot to – it's so – with such a bad story and such uh, a story that involves so many different people, coaches, administrators, and, of course, players who had to suffer as a result of all this, it seems like there's still a lot that has not come out to the public and a lot that is still uh, kept behind closed doors, which then again brings me to my original question. Why why today? Why do we find out about this right now?
2: Well, apparently we found out about this because the um – I guess the Office of Institutional Equity, which was part of NMSU's um, investigation with the outside decision maker and consulting firm, leaked to KTSM this week. So
3: why? Why? Why this week? Why? I mean, we're a week away from basketball starting off across all of college basketball.
2: Why now? Why? Why is this going on right here? Maybe because with the season starting up. They want to make sure that not as not everything is rosy at New Mexico State with uh, football on the verge of clinching a uh, bowl appearance and uh, basketball also having the opportunity to start their season with a fresh approach under Jason Hooten. Maybe yeah, that I'm maybe that's sure. why I'm not sure. Maybe that's why.
3: Yeah, there's a lot of reasons why this could be end up end up happening or end up coming to light this week. I mean, it's really in, interesting the timeline of all of this, the facts that are coming out, and yeah, it's. When we thought this story was put to bed in the summer, it just comes back to, to life here in the fall. And I don't think that this is the last part uh, of this story that we'll end up hearing about. I think we'll I still agree. continue to hear more from this.
2: By the way, this looks like about a three or 4,000 word expose from Deaver today. So I retweeted it through 600 ESPN El Paso. If you would like to read the story, uh, we sent that out uh, through uh, Twitter uh, just a little while ago. So you can get a chance to check that out that'll be good anyway five oh five six zero zero nine that's our telephone number uh here on the program yeah it's uh it's a big one adrian it it really is so and once again um you know you always think about title nine and how it relates to the um I uh, I guess the the balance between male and female um college athletic sports but just because this was title IX sexual misconduct violations this uh had nothing to do with females this is all males just uh, you know for those people wondering because when you hear title 9 the first thing you, you 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 think about Adrian is oh females involved but no the Title IX sexual misconduct violations was everything we knew about prior to uh, the, you know, when, when when basically everything just completely went to crap for New Mexico State basketball this, uh, this past season.
3: Right, and this is the hazing allegations that ended up being sexual assault violations uh, that were alleged by the victims. Mm-hmm.
2: That's very true. All right, let's start the phones off this afternoon as uh, we get going here on Sports Talk with... Uh, a friend of ours, a friend of the show, we might say. That would be uh, Jason Craig, who uh, you usually see at UTEP Games and uh, other venues around El Paso. He is a terrific uh, DJ, entertainer, and oh, yes, he also helps out here at the radio station and on Minor Talk. But he's a big Raiders fan. Uh, are you happy with the news today that uh, Josh McDaniels is no longer a Raider?
1: How you guys doing? Look, Steve, I'm going to tell you this. I was up last night when my phone went off, and I'm like, who is DMing me at this hour? And I look at it, and the alert says that the Danos had been fired, and I jumped for joy. My lady thought I was scared because we were watching a scary movie at the Mm.
2: time.
1: But no, that was not it. I was ecstatic that this happened.
2: Well, what a week it's been by the way for the Raiders. Um, you know, oh, it's, don't
1: even get me started.
2: Because think about this. First off, not only do they go with a new uh you know, with a new coach and Antonio Pierce, the former Giant defensive player as an interim coach, but then they bench Jimmy Garoppolo and they're getting ready to start Aiden O'Connell at quarterback this week against the Giants. Look, um,
1: you know, I follow all these uh these um Raider fans pages and, and, and accounts on Instagram and stuff, and we've been screaming to get O'Connell out there. He just needs some reps, you know? He did great in the preseason. I thought he did phenomenal. He could run. He could throw the ball, and um, I think he would just, you know, he just wants to get the ball to someone. DeBonte Adams just wants to get the ball. Mm. He'll probably throw the ball more to Hunter Renfro, which we haven't even seen that much this whole season, so I'm excited to see what happens on Sunday. It's, it's a great day to be a Raider fan.
2: There you go. It's the start of a new era. By the way, um, can we just stop with the Josh McDaniels head coaching experiment in the NFL? How many more times do we need to see it fail before we finally say that there are certain individuals just not meant for head coaching in the uh, National Football League?
1: No, I absolutely agree. It was just, you know, know, I feel like Mark Davis was just trying to get anybody that has a name. You know, you're in Vegas. You got to get the lights on it everybody got to pay attention. I totally understand that. But this was just a horrible, horrible idea.
2: I'm with you on that one. I'm with you. So, all right, congratulations. And are you happy that Devontae Adams wasn't traded?
1: Oh, absolutely. You know, I saw they were talking that the Jets really wanted him. But, you know, they said that was not going to happen. Uh, they probably already knew that. Is Josh McDaniels things was going to go down, so they're like, "Hey, that's off the table. Don't even don't contact us. We're busy right now. That's you got to true. fire somebody in a couple hours."
2: Good point. Good point. I like it. Hey, Jason, always good to hear from you. Thanks for the call. You Guys, have a good one. You too. All right. Happy day for Raider fans like uh, like Jason after hearing the news that uh, now it is uh, you know they finally fi- finished the end of the Josh McDaniels era and then before it started out there in Vegas.
3: Yeah, no Dave Zeigler anymore either. The general manager was fired. Champ Kelly is taken over, interim GM. But how about Antonio Pierce, who is going to be the interim head coach for the Raiders? By the way, Antonio Pierce came to the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl with Arizona State. He was on that Herm Edwards staff yes, he was. on Arizona State. He is now joining the Raiders here as their interim coach. Somebody who is well-respected, somebody who has won at the highest, Highest level as a player both with Washington and New York in the past and somebody who knows this sport through and through so I actually really like this decision right here as him being the interim coach
2: well it's funny because you're right they cleaned house Ziegler's gone as GM McDaniel's gone as head coach 9 and 16 for the Raiders by the way 9 and 16 awful Awful. and he was 11 and 17 for the Broncos so and by the way he has something in common He was fired midway through the second season in Denver, just like he was fired midway through his second season in Vegas.
3: It just doesn't work out for Josh McDaniels, man. And I'll also say this, for uh, a league that has Ron Rivera as a head coach, a league that has Brandon Staley as a head coach, Matt Eberflus as a head coach, uh, you, you go down the list he is the first one fired. He is the first NFL coach from the 2023 season who loses his job Mm -hmm. in a sea of mediocrity and a sea of bad head coaches. He's the first one out. That says a lot about him. All
2: right. Let's go ahead. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back. We'll talk a little baseball with Jay Jaffe. Get his thoughts on the series. Will it end tonight? And a whole lot more as we go to Charlie One and get traffic update number one here on a Wednesday with you as Sports Talk continues. So, um, I do believe that this series has a very good chance to end tonight just because of the momentum that the Rangers have built up. By the way, how do you have a bullpen game in the World Series? How do you do that if you're the Diamondbacks?
3: Yeah, it sucks right there. I'm not a fan of that. I w- I'll just say this: I'm I'm on the opposite side, Steve. I look at this series and I still think that when I when we counted both these teams out, whether it was in the ALCS, the NLCS, they've just shown up. So I'm gonna go on the opposite side and think that the Diamondbacks extend it, despite the momentum, despite everything really going Texas's way over the past two games. So I, I just I'm hoping for the better part of the series.
2: I want to see a series. Like I want to see this thing turn into something i i really do uh i just don't know if that's going to happen and by the way uh, we might be getting a call on the hotline from jay here shortly so hopefully that'll happen but i just don't know adrian i mean arizona the, the the thing that you could build on i guess if you're a diamondbacks fan is they scored some runs at the end of yesterday's game and maybe just maybe that will be something that they can uh, that they can use to try to catapult themselves tonight so um anyway, that that that's a possibility. And it's Evaldi tonight against Gallants. It's actually a really good pitching matchup. So, you know, um Nate Evaldi trying to close out uh the Diamondbacks and Evaldi has pitched great up until his last start. I mean, that was when he was hit hard by the Diamondbacks in the series. And uh, Zach Gallen um has been spotty. I think uh, you know, at times when he's on, he looks really good, but also he's somebody that's capable of getting up the long ball like the Rangers torched him in his last start. So I don't know what's gonna happen tonight. I'm I'm interested. I, I feel like a lot of people believe the Rangers will win. We just don't know for sure if they'll be able to uh, to you know close it out when they have the chance.
3: You think about uh, Nathan Evaldi. I mean, what a career he's had, right? I mean, it's just kind of a roller coaster ride, Mm -hmm. and he finds his a stride here in the postseason with the Rangers, and that's kind of how it's been for a lot of these guys. I mean, whether it's him, whether it's Jordan Montgomery, or whoever you want to talk about as far as that uh, you know pitching staff for the Rangers, and you look on the flip side, Zach Allen. I feel like he starts games pretty strong, and then when you're when you talk about like the third, fourth inning, fifth inning, that's when it starts to get a little rocky for Zach Gallen.
2: Well, if all already won a ring, I mean he he won that I believe with the Red Sox that, that in 2018. Sense. Yeah, so he's a two time All Star, and this would be a second World Series championship if he gets the opportunity to do that. So, but it's not yeah. far off
3: to say that he's had a roller coaster ride, right? I mean, he's it's not like he's necessarily always been that top pitcher, right?
2: Injuries have really been what's what's hurt him over the years. I mean, he's got an ERA career over four. So you're right, he's not dominant and his and his earn run average is I mean, his win loss record is just over five hundred. He's seventy nine and seventy three. So I think that's fair. I would put Nate Evaldi as when healthy, an above average pitcher, but he's just not automatic. That's the best way to say he's he's up and down sometimes.
3: Right, and they've benefited off his uh, positive streak this year. They've benefited off his strong play this entire uh, postseason run, and I think that's what they're they're catching with some of their guys. Wouldn't you want to catch the obviously your your uh, pitch your pitchers when they're obviously pitching at their best, sure. like Jordan Montgomery? Sure. There was
2: times when we well, talked
3: about his uh, you know his entire career being maybe a, a bad one with teams like the Yankees or teams like the Cardinals in the past.
2: I mean, it's funny because you look at Ivaldi starting off the playoffs he gave you two great starts against tampa bay and baltimore and then uh against houston he was lights out his first game second game uh you know almost into the seventh inning only giving up two runs and then really the one game he had four good starts and then arizona uh, lit him up for uh, five earned runs in four and two thirds. That was the bad one. So, all right. Um, I believe we should have Jay Jaffe here shortly. Let's do some Sports Center now. We'll get it all caught up. 28 passed as we send it over to Adrian and then come back and uh, talk to Jay from Fangrafts here as we continue. 32 years of age, former Chihuahua alumni, and he is filled in perfectly. For the Rangers. I mean, comes right in and gives them a spark and steal bases. You know, he's not going to hit with power, but he's one of those guys that gets on base and scores runs. And hey, uh, again, another former El Paso ball player who now is having an opportunity all these years later to perhaps uh, get his ring.
3: So you think about this team right now, I mean, uh, there are a lot of zeros and a minus right now when you look at World Series MVP and you look at Corey Seager's name, right? So he's he's probably running away with that one. But you look at the guys who've really helped out and really made a difference throughout this postseason, Travis Jankowski is right up on that list. And you you talk about the depth they lose in the outfield uh, with no Garcia in the lineup uh, for Game 4 and how they don't really take a drop-off not, not only in the outfield, field and and defense, Steve, but also hitting and the way that Jankowski is able to get on base and able to make a difference like that. So that's what impresses me right there is that there's not really a drop off. He carries that momentum on his side as well.
2: He really does. And I did not know until the story came out that in fact Adalas Garcia took, you know, he had a a speech to the Rangers when he was not able to play due to his uh, oblique injury and told his teammates that he loved them and said to win two more games, win the first world series championship in his honor. And that apparently helped to pump this team up a little bit. When you got one of your leaders telling you, Hey, win one without me and uh, let's get it done. That's a, that's pretty good, and that's again shows you what uh, kind of makeup this team has.
3: I think a lot of people just penciled the Diamondbacks to win yesterday. They heard the news of no Garcia. Just hey, Diamondbacks are going to take this victory, and yesterday's win for the Rangers does so much for them. So I mean, you know, going back to the picks thought, that's what makes me sway on both sides. We there's sides that you could uh, argue for the Rangers and argue, and sides you can argue for the Diamondbacks.
2: Yep. All right. It uh, Looks like uh, we've got uh, Jay Jaffe with us uh, from Fangraphs.com right now as we continue 32 past the hour and uh, happy to get his thoughts on uh, game number five which will be starting up a little uh, more than uh, 90 minutes from now jay welcome back to the show and uh, hey appreciate you giving us a few minutes here today uh you tell me uh, do you believe the rangers will finish off arizona tonight or can zach Gallon and company live to fight another day when it's all said and done yeah
0: you know i think the rangers to me look like they're in a pretty Pretty good position to win. Um, they did have to call on Jose Leclerc last night, but um, you know they're they're well set up otherwise with their bullpen. And, and he didn't he didn't uh, uh, have to work too hard last night. You got Evaldi on the mound. Uh, he's pitched better than Zach Gallon has. Um, I think this is. I think this could be it. Um, but uh, uh, if not, the Rangers are in very good shape. I think to to, to finish things this thing off uh, before the Diamondbacks get back in it.
2: I'm with you on that one. And by the way, I thought Bochi brought in LeClerc a little too soon yesterday. I you agree. Know?
0: Yeah, I agree. It was a bit of a, it was, it was a bit of a, of a, a frustration move, I think, um, you know, but when you see your team fritter away a 10, nothing lead, I can understand why it's, uh, um, why it's a little bit of uh, annoying. Um, his B-list guys, including Brock Burke, uh, uh, who was added to the roster in place of Max Scherzer? Um, really, just uh, couldn't get anybody out, uh, and you can you can see why Burke wasn't on the roster, uh, the playoff roster to begin with. Um, but the lineup uh, came through. Uh, Travis Jankowski had a, had a had a nice uh, game filling in for uh, Adolis uh, Garcia and uh, Corey Seager. I mean, what can you say about Corey Seager? He is just on fire right now, and. Uh, um, you know that was just another big home run, and and uh, uh, the Rangers look like they're in great shape. Uh, Marcus Simeon coming alive, I think, was pretty big too.
2: Did it bother you at all that the Diamondbacks tried a bullpen game yesterday in in, in a World Series? I mean, where I always think to myself. I mean, this
0: is know. this is this is the situation for them. They're you know they're they have gotten this far on like two and a half starting pitchers. Um, you know, really, uh, um, they haven't had to use a fourth starter. They haven't. They don't even have a competent fourth starter, really. I mean you know uh Ryan Nelson did did good job in a low leverage situation eating eating innings last night but um he does not match up particularly well with the uh with the Rangers and I think if uh situation had been had been more on the line um he might have gotten hit a little bit harder but um you know this is look the Dodgers would have been bullpenning. the Braves probably would have been bullpenning. um you know these are teams that kind of limped into the in, limped into the postseason in terms of uh, the quality of their rotations because of injuries and, and other situations. And, um, no, it's not ideal. And, and, no, it doesn't doesn't often work very well, but uh, um, that's what they had to do.
2: Yeah, that's true. And, meanwhile, Texas is on the verge, and you feel almost like uh, they're going to be able to – pull it off ratings are exactly like we thought they would be but i do think baseball fans are tuning in it's just the st- the 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 world series just doesn't have a ton of appeal outside of of that
0: yeah i mean you know look you if if you're going to create a tournament where the sixth seed can get to the world series um despite being a team that did not capture a ton of national attention because they weren't all that good you have to accept the fact that your ratings aren't going to be as 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 strong as they would be if you had a powerhouse in there. These are these are two. This is this is the other side of the the uh, the edge of the sword. Um, you know, it's not that these things are, are are unrelated. So, I you know, this is the bed they've made for themselves.
2: Very true. Very, very true. Uh, but look, they've gone as far as, uh, you know, far than anybody would have expected. It has been fun, and I think some of us are hoping that, you know, the Diamondbacks can win one at home, bring it back to uh, Globe Life for Game 6 and possibly Game 7, and and try to at least to see if they can push the Rangers to the brink before it's all said and done.
0: Yeah, look, I mean, you know, we're not far from this being a competitive series, uh, e- even if uh, some of the games have been... Uh, a bit more one-sided. Uh, you know, the Diamondbacks have they don't they don't have anything to hang their heads about, even if it ends tonight. Um, you know, they've they've had a, a heck of a run here in the postseason. Uh, it's very clear that this organization is going in the right direction. They've got a lot of good young players, uh, headed by uh, Corbin Carroll and uh, Cattell Marte has setting yep. that setting that postseason hit streak record has been a lot of fun to watch. Um, I think Brandon Fott uh, is is going to be a pitcher we're going to hear a lot about over the next few years. Um, you know, this, is, this is a team that's going to give other teams some problems going forward.
2: I think you're 100% correct on that. Uh, we found out uh, the news. Frank Howard, former home run champ, uh, died at the age of 87. Uh, somebody who played, uh, came up uh, in the late 50s with the Dodgers, also played with Washington and Texas and finished with Detroit. Just shy of 400 career home runs, but he hit 40-plus twice in his career both with Washington and uh, somebody that played in the All-Star game four straight years, uh, was Rookie of the Year, and uh, falls short of your Hall of Fame numbers with Jaws, but still one of the better left fielders out there for his time.
0: I mean, the guy could hit. If the DH had been around, he'd have been a much bigger name. Um, You know, I would say he's sort of comparable to Adam Dunn, Um, you know, a guy who hit a ton of home runs, massive power, Big dude, struck out a lot, walked a lot. Was kind of the three true outcomes uh, type of player ahead of his time. Didn't have much defensive value. That said, he had more defensive value than Adam Dunn. Um, not not a Hall of Famer, but a very endearing and compelling player um, that uh, uh, stayed in baseball for a long time after his retirement. Um, uh, coaching, uh, very self-deprecating wit about him. Um, I, I got to hear him talk at the 2009 uh, Saber Convention in in Washington D.C. Um, he told he and Rick Dempsey were telling stories uh, back and forth, and, and they were just so funny. I mean, Howard had uh, uh, you know talked about being managed by Ted Williams and uh, um, who didn't think much of his ability to avoid strikeouts and um just just a wonderful person and you won't find anybody in the game who could say a bad word about him
2: jay uh, i know you've got a lot of great content up at fangrafts.com, a lot of playoff talk You had the chat from yesterday you've been pretty busy today so if you don't have a beer for us to profile this week i'll give you the pass if you (laughs) if you do that's great otherwise we can just pick that up again next week
0: uh yeah i actually do have one here for you uh uh, weather has been cooling off here, and I have uh, a, a, a dark beer for the occasion. This is the Torch and Crown Black Tie Porter. Uh, this is from the, uh, the brewery in, in, in Manhattan that I've uh, uh, gotten some deliveries from. This is a 5.5% porter, nice, roasty, a little bit chocolatey, uh, just a good, uh, easy-drinking porter, uh, very creamy, and uh, a good accompaniment to a World Series game.
2: Good way to describe it. What's the name of the brewery again? Torch and Crown. All right. We'll keep an eye on that one. Hey, uh, enjoy the conversation. We'll check back with you again right back here next week, Jay. All
0: right. Thanks, Steve. Take care.
2: You got it. Jay Jaffe joining us as we continue here on Sports Talk. When we return, a coaching legend, and I mean a legend of the game, has just passed on. Breaking news. We'll tell you who in a moment. Stay with us. Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso a good time over there. They really do. They don't take themselves seriously at all, which is right up our alley. Um, hey, uh, Friday night, two nights from now, it will be the return to professional boxing here in El Paso. Ring War 6 to the Coliseum. Uh, it's going to get started at 645 with King's Promotions presenting Ring War 6. And uh, with us right now from King's Promotions, the CEO, he's Marshall Kaufman, and he joins us live here on the phone lines as we continue on Sports Talk from our 600 ESPN El Paso Roto-Rooter Hot line marshall welcome aboard how are you
4: i'm great how are you guys doing
2: we're excited about the return of pro boxing to el paso you've got the first of what uh we hope will be many cards coming this friday night to the coliseum a local flavor as well with jorge tovar and stephanie hahn on the card amongst a few and for you i know an opportunity now to uh, to take a shot at, at really try to bring boxing back to the sun city
4: that's right. That's right. I'm excited about it. Um, it's going to be a great turnout. Those who haven't gotten their tickets, they ought to make sure they get them ASAP. Uh, it's going to be a fun night. It really is. I'm excited about the uh, love and support that we're getting from people here in El Paso. Uh, this might end up being, becoming my second home.
2: Well, considering your first home is Pennsylvania, you get a chance to go all the way across the country. That'll give you a good excuse to go from the northeast part of the United States to the uh, west uh, southwest coast, right? That's right. That's right. I was at the public workout earlier today and enjoyed seeing uh, a lot of familiar faces. Jennifer Hahn, the whole Hahn family was there watching Stephanie, excited about that. I also had a chance to see uh, Louie for the first time in a while. And, you know, it's funny because you look at. Your career in boxing, and I think about this uh, because you've been around the fight game a very long time, and so is Louis Burke. Who, in fact, I didn't realize it, but the two of you have a lot in common when you talk about uh, both getting into the uh, fight game around the same time.
4: Yes, we do. We uh, we both came up through the amateurs together. My son was a uh, uh, number one in the country as an amateur, uh, who was a heavyweight. Louis had Austin Trout, who was number one in the country as a 152-pounder, uh, uh, and so, you know, we, we were on the same team, and uh, so it was great just, you know, I've known Louis for a long time, and uh, it's just great seeing uh, the same old faces from, you know, 30, 40 years ago.
2: Tell me why, Marshall, you decided to um, to come to El Paso and, and bring the card here Friday night with Ring War 6, and ultimately, as we talked about at the start of this interview, try to uh, establish yourself and uh, and really plant uh, some seeds to make box professional boxing cards a, a regular thing here in, in town.
4: Well, first of all, it was because I uh, was negotiating with uh, Jorge Tovar jr. about signing him uh i think the kid has a bright future and i just think he needs to uh expand his uh his ability you know and and you know i, I think i can take him to another level and so uh that was part of the reason so i've been talking to a whole uh Jorge tovar senior and we said hey look he has a great following down here in el paso so i said okay look we'll do a show you know, I kept my word. I told him, we'll, we'll come down here and do a show. As you know, we did a press conference a, a month ago and came down here, did the show. Uh, at that time, we officially announced that I had signed him uh, to a three-year deal. And, uh, but not only am I excited about him, I'm extremely excited about Stephanie Hahn, you know, and, and the love and support that she's getting as well. So, look, it's going to be a great night of boxing I'm excited that I can uh, show them and teach them uh, how you can grow to the next level. Uh, Because let's face it, some people get caught up in a little small town uh, boxing community and never get outside of that. So I'm trying to take everyone in this area outside of that uh, and take them to another level. Uh, But we're going to do it right here in El Paso as as we have fun doing it.
2: Marshall Kaufman with us from King's Promotions here. The card is uh, this uh, Friday night at the Coliseum, folks. Uh, Ring War 6 uh, happening here, uh, and tickets available right now at uh, the ticket uh, all the Ticketmaster locations as well as Ticketmaster.com and the Coliseum box office. You know, uh, Jennifer was the IBF world champion, um, and Stephanie told me today at her workout that uh, she is uh, faster and stronger than her sister. And she's also, she took 10 years off from boxing. She's 32 years old, but she's a young 32, Marshall, because she doesn't have a ton of in-ring experience over the last 10 years. So her body hasn't taken the normal wear and tear that a fighter would if they've been fighting all these years. And given her profile, and for you, what has really seen the growth of female professional boxing, you've got three female fights on the card through, uh, Friday night. I know you're a huge proponent of uh, women's professional boxing.
4: 100%. You know, I had, I was responsible for bringing Alicia Baumgartner, who is the undisputed uh, uh, super uh, featherweight champion of the world, and I was the one that took her to that world championship. Uh, I also have another girl who's on the card, Amy Salinas, who's from La Crosa's. And uh, so she's, she's a heck of a fighter. There's another girl named Brittany Sims who's on the card. She's currently the NABF and WBA America's continental champion. <laughs> so I'm I'm a big, I'm a big fan of women's boxing. Uh, and to be honest with you about five years ago, I wasn't, uh, but I've fallen in love with it. I've fallen in love with it because I've seen how much they dedicate and commit themselves to the, to the craft and to the sport, and uh, they, they're not afraid to fight. You tell them you're fighting King Kong, and they say, okay, when and how much. You know, so they are, uh, they're, they're, you're going to see a lot of changes in women's boxing over the next five years.
2: Amy Salinas, as you mentioned, she's from Las Cruces. Her nickname is La Picosita, and uh, she is somebody that uh, the minute you had a chance to watch her uh, in the ring, you, you immediately uh, took a liking to her, didn't you?
4: Oh, 100%. And, you know, not only can she fight, but I really fell in love with her smile. You know, she smiles. She loves doing what she does. Uh, And so, you know, I promised her I'd bring her back. She came in. I brought her in as an opponent. She fought one of my other girls uh, and lost a close decision. And then I brought her back again. She won. And then I signed her to a a long-term deal. And uh, I told her, I said, we're going to make a champion out of you. And now she's fighting at the right weight class where she should be fighting. And you're going to see something special in her tomorrow night as well. And then Stephanie, uh, i got to say this. Stephanie was only scheduled for a six-round fight. We just changed her fight today from six rounds to eight rounds. So Stephanie is taking that next step for her career in such a short with only four fights. Uh, you watch. Within the next year, maybe a year and a half, Stephanie will be fighting for a world champion. Championship.
2: Marshall, you mentioned Jorge Tovar. You signed him, and and you've got him now uh, under uh, King's Promotions. What is it about undefeated prospect Jorge Tovar that uh, you see someone that's uh, potentially a, a star in the making?
4: Well, the fact that he's six and zero with six knockouts uh, says a lot. But uh, that that doesn't impress me because anybody could be six and zero with six knockouts depending on who they fought. But what impressed me was that. He had a big amateur career and I didn't realize that until I came down here for the press conference and met him. And he had a real big amateur career as well. And that believe it or not, the amateurs really prepare you for the tough wars uh, and knowing how to make adjustments in a fight. So that was that was one of the things and, and you know, who how can you not love when you have a father and son relationship in boxing? I was I was the father Uh, In the business, my son was a top-rated heavyweight as well. And so when you see that connection from one father to another, I want to help them out. I want to help them to achieve their goals in any way I can.
2: Where do you envision this going as far as uh, putting on shows in El Paso? Like, what are your your plans for 2024?
4: Well, we have a three-fight deal for next year, for 2024. So we would definitely be back here three more times next year. Uh, and we're looking to uh, make El Paso, like I said, my second home. You know, I already have, my, my, in, in all reality, my second home is really in Houston, Texas. But, uh, so I'm a Texan, all right? But El Paso Paso's not too far. So I might, I'll be, I might be spending a lot of time in El Paso in 2024.
2: Marshall, it wasn't that long ago that fighters like Eric Morales, Marco Antonio Barrera, uh, Floyd Mayweather, Shane Mosley, Oscar De La Hoya – uh Evander Holyfield they all fought in El Paso and we uh were a regular on USA's uh you know Tuesday night fights back in the day HBO fights Showtime fights ESPN's Friday night fights so those days are you know for some of us that were around we, we have fond memories but others you know they'd love to see the televised fight game come back the problem is Showtime's out HBO is out. So it's all about now streaming uh, platforms, the zone and, and you know, those new venues that have really kind of taken over the fight game.
4: Correct, correct. Unfortunately that's uh, the the way of the future. Uh you won't see boxing on regular live T V anymore. Uh I, I'm not gonna say you won't see it on live T V, but the chances of it aren't uh aren't uh as as powerful. You know what I mean chances are slim that would be on uh live tv you see a lot of streaming that works you see it all the time the tyson fury fight was just the same thing that was just streamed as well uh so it's just the, the way of the future unfortunately uh i think they they want to set it up so that no matter where you're at whether you're in your car or you're in your living room you can watch the fight you can watch it on your phone you can watch it on your computer wherever it may be you get to watch fights and so it really is a lot more accessible to people, but uh, people have to be aware of that uh, to know that, that they can log on and watch it on different uh, networks, you know, on your phone or on your computer. So uh, it's, it's going to be great. I did want to mention, Steve, you mentioned about uh, former world champions that have fought here and whatnot. I also had a fighter that I had coming up here that fought here as well, Kermit Cintron. Mm-hmm. Kermit Cintron fought here years ago uh, as well and we fought right at the County Coliseum as well. I also had, uh, the, who I still work with, Marlena Esparza, a world champion at 112 pounds from Houston, Texas. So El Paso is a great fight town, and we're going to make it even a better fight town, You because know, the people here are true fight fans.
2: I love it. I'm giving away a pair of tickets right now to Friday's fights. First person through to the show at 505 that can name the world title that Jennifer Hahn held. I want to know the weight class and the belt that she held. First person through with the correct answer will be going on uh, Friday night, and who knows? It might not be long before we start to see more world title fights uh, here in El Paso and more champions here in El Paso. I know that is definitely uh, the plan for Marshall Kaufman, uh, who joins us from King's Promotions. Ring War 6 this Friday night, folks. It's going to be at the Coliseum. If you want to win, just answer that trivia quiz, 505-6009 our telephone number. Marshall, Appreciate it. Thanks for the time.
4: I'll give you you another quick question. Who did Jennifer Hahn fight, who's a very famous world champion as well right now? That's another one that you can ask your your people as well uh, that's tuned in. Do I have a chance at winning tickets, Steve?
2: Unfortunately, Marshall, you don't. You don't. (laughs) Uh, I've got a good idea you're going to have good seats, but you're right. She did fight somebody a couple of years ago, about two years ago, actually, and it was a unification title. So that's 100% correct. Good job there with that. Excellent. Excellent. So,
4: Steve, I appreciate it. Hopefully the fans and the people here of El Paso come out and support. Friday night It's going to be a great night of boxing, and uh, I look forward to having a fun night that night.
2: We do as well. Marshall, appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you Friday. Thank you, Steve. Marshall Kaufman, folks, as we continue. 505 Again, all we want to know is the belt. What was the belt that um, Jennifer had? She had a world title. Name the belt and the weight class, and in fact, if you do, you're going to be going Friday night to the Coliseum. More in a moment, including Jeff Erickson with a little fantasy talk right after Charlie One, who has this traffic update time. So, congratulations uh, Noah, and uh, Noah going to be heading out uh, to the fight on uh, Friday night. Noah, we appreciate you listening. Very nice. After all these years, good job there. All right, uh, let's uh, swing it over right now and say hello to uh, Jeff Erickson from rotowire.com. Jeff, uh, tough news today. I know you went to uh northwestern uh and you had to play indiana twice every year in basketball hearing that we just lost uh, bobby knight today at the age of 83 is uh, a tough one for a lot of people to stomach knowing uh, his contributions to the sport
5: not only that but i grew up in indianapolis i grew up a big iu fan so uh, at the peak of indiana's powers uh my opinion of him evolved over the years but uh a loss quite a loss to. Uh, College uh, basketball uh, coaching fraternity for sure. Huge impact on the game.
2: Oh man, I I bet you when you were a kid, like everybody else, you probably thought Bobby Knight was a god.
5: Yeah, uh, an angry god, but a god (laughs) Uh, 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 nonetheless. He had had a really acerbic sense of humor that was really funny, unless you were the target of it. Um, I fortunately was a kid, so I was not. Did not see all that, uh, but yes, uh, and vividly remember uh, the, the, the national Isaiah Thomas, uh, uh-huh. 1981, the day Reagan got shot. Um, I remember uh, the key smart Dean Garrett year, uh, went over Syracuse in the national championship game. Um, yeah, a lot of good memories. Steve Alford playing for uh, Bobby Knight, yeah, a lot of good teams.
2: Very nice. All right. Uh we're going to play by the way on the show folks. So we have a great clip. Uh we're going to play a little bit later which is Bobby Knight uh, telling a story about Don Haskins and uh how uh, Don Haskins uh, had the name Ed. So cuz uh Coach Knight always called Don Haskins Ed and uh, this goes back to I believe 2006 on the Don Haskins radio show. So we'll play that clip coming up for you here uh, after our, our conversation with Jeff. In fact, if you've got any fantasy related questions for Jeff Erickson, now is the time to send it in to us. At 600 ESPN El Paso. That's at 600 ESPN El Paso. And we will pass those uh, questions along to Mr. Erickson. Who, by the way, uh, there's fantasy news because um, if you are a Jimmy Garoppolo owner as a backup quarterback in any league, well, you want to ditch him because he just uh, was benched in favor of rookie Aiden O'Connell. A lot of shakeups in Vegas after that pathetic performance to the Lions on Monday.
5: Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm in favor of that decision to uh, start O'Connell. See what they have in him. Give him some reps. Um, I think. I I think what and I I think Jimmy G is clearly compromised health wise. I I think you could just see it in some of his throws that what he had, you know, he couldn't give it all. And in front of that patchwork offensive line, it wasn't going to work. So. Might as well at least see what you have in O'Connell and before you have one of the earliest picks in the draft next year and make that decision which route to go with quarterback because clearly there's no future with Jimmy Garoppolo in, in Vegas.
2: Speaking of quarterbacks, Joshua Dobbs is now the new starter in Minnesota after the trade from Arizona taking over uh, for the injured Kirk Cousins. Taylor Heineke was just given the job, um, and they're uh, also benching Desmond Ritter. So here we are, midway point to the NFL season, Jeff, and uh, we've got a lot of quarterback moves around the league.
5: Yeah, and let's not forget Will Lavis getting the start last week and looking like he may not give it back up. Um, We've got uh, whatever's going to happen in Arizona. Dobbs probably doesn't start this week. it will probably be Jaron Hall, the rookie out of BYU, but he's... Probably going to take over next week. We'll see about that. Uh, unless Hall lights it up against Atlanta. Uh, you know, who knows what Daniel Jones will be able to go against said Raiders. There's opportunities cropping up all over the place. A lot of black boxes, a lot of unknowns that we're going to deal with this week. Ranking quarterbacks was especially difficult.
2: How'd you do it when you had to start picking the rankings? Uh, You tell me, and and looking at your Week 9 value meter as we're uh, dealing with bye weeks for Denver, Detroit, Jacksonville, and San Francisco, I guess there's really no surprise with the top five of Josh Allen, Tua Tagovailoa, Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, and Joe Burrow. After that, it got a little tricky, didn't it?
5: Yeah, it sure did. I, I, I had my magic eight ball handy to kind of assist me with some of those tough decisions, but uh and uh it, it kept on answering question mark for me there too so it wasn't ha- that helpful but um yeah it gets it gets really dicey like you know Justin Herbert normally we're going to play him every week but terrible matchup at the jets um I have him down at 8 normally I might have him a little higher uh you know maybe I, uh, you know you, you keep going down the list and we we got key guys on by this week too You got Jared Goff Trevor Lawrence and uh, and, and of course uh, Brock Purdy on on uh, On by, even Russell Wilson, if you're in a super flex league, that's another guy that's off the list there. You wouldn't start him in a mono league, but in a league where you start two quarterbacks, you would. And now all of a sudden, we're, we're cut down on our options a little bit there. When Zach Wilson makes it to 20, uh, that, that tells you something. That's only, and I've got Taysom, we list Taysom Hill as a quarterback because that's what he's officially listed as. Uh, but, you know, you know, we're looking at like, TJ Walker, and I I have to uh, adjust my rankings because I did it last night before O'Connell got the job.
2: Hey, meanwhile, you also have Dak Prescott, six. I know he lit up the Rams, but he was like 18th or 20th the week before, so uh, Philly's given up plenty of points, and you're taking that into account, plus Prescott's last game, because I don't think I've seen Dak Prescott six in a long time.
5: Yeah, and I'll probably I'll put Lamar ahead of him when I do my update, uh, so it'll go down one. But I mean, the Eagles just gave up 390 passing yards to Sam Howell. Who's Sam Howell? Uh, and, you know, and granted, that was a bit of that was a classic look ahead game on the road for the Eagles with a banged up secondary, no less. But that, that secondary remains a little bit banged up. I, I think they might, you know, give up a, a, their share of passing yards in this one here.
3: Jeff, uh, when it comes to this week's game in Germany, we've watched a lot of these international games before and how they've impacted fantasy scores, but you look at this week, and we talked about the buys right here. How about the the two teams who are playing in Germany this weekend, Chiefs, Dolphins? Do we undervalue some of the skill position players or the top players on both these teams, or you just play them because you might not have other options knowing the bye weeks are ahead for some of these teams?
5: I mean, I think if you've got Your regular starters there, you're rolling with them. I mean, it's at the margins. You know, I I think you're probably, you know, if you obviously Hill Hill and Waddle, you're starting most. You're starting unless there's a real legitimate injury concern. I know he's currently listed as uh, showed up as limited in practice, but I think he'll he'll probably be okay. I think this is going to be the normal path for him every week. Uh, you're, You're you're, you know, you're starting Kelsey. You're starting Pacheco she rice is where the rubber hits the road you know that that's like the tricky one there uh, but I think Miami's secondary is kind of pliable and if they put rice on the right side and avoid Jalen Ramsey I think I want to use him Yeah.
2: No. once again um, it, it's tough because you saw how Kansas City played last week against Denver and you wonder was that just a one-off or are yeah. we worrying about things like that down the road
5: I mean, this is not the first stinker that the Chiefs have had this year, uh, but it's also they, they, they rebound well. It is still Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, again, we mentioned the Eagles as a look ahead. I mean, the Chiefs-Broncos was the ultimate look ahead. Uh, when you knew you had this game against the Dolphins the next week and you had to travel to Germany, Mahomes was sick, the weather was terrible. It was like, oh, let's just get out of here, and they played like it.
2: More with Jeff as we keep things moving. Again, if you have a question, send it to us now at 600 ESPN El Paso with your uh, uh, decisions on either ads, drops, and uh, waiver wire, and uh, not to mention lineup calls. We'll, we'll, we'll throw all that at Jeff. But first, let's go to Adrian and get this Sports Center update. I couldn't afford that. Do they even have anybody else at tight end that's even worthy of even mentioning in this, uh, in this conversation?
5: I mean, Bellinger had a couple of moments last year, so maybe him. Uh, I mean, the, the Giants—they're—they're they're in such a bad way right now. Uh, they might get Daniel Jones back, but I mean, they trade away Leonard Williams. They're, they're two and six. They've got a tough schedule still remaining. I mean, it's—it's it's pretty much over, right? Is um, it's now trying to figure out some some succession planning, and you might get to the point too where. Maybe Barkley sits a game or two down the stretch here, too. He's got to think about his future value. The Giants have to think about it as well. I mean, Waller's talking about week to week with that hammy. Um, it's not pretty right now.
2: No, it's not. And meanwhile, we were wondering if some guys were going to get traded. Saquon Barkley was rumored. We, we didn't think Devontae Adams would get moved, but it was always possible because of his frustrations. That didn't happen. We were also wondering if possibly uh, you know, Aaron Jones or even A.J. Dillon could be uh, traded by the Packers. They chose not to. Um, a lot of good defensive linemen that were dealt by Washington. Uh, that was interesting. But a lot of the other big names didn't really see themselves uh, get their wish and get traded.
5: Yeah, which is pretty normal for the NFL. Uh, It's always the NFL trade deadline pales in comparison to the other three major sports. Uh, And part of the reason for that is the salary cap. Really hard for some of these big contracts to get moved like Devontae Adams. Uh, it can it can happen. I mean, let's face it, the NFL and NFL teams are good at maneuvering around that, but it takes time. You know, usually you need like a full day before you can do that. Like I heard with Derrick Henry, that could a trade couldn't really happen with him because they had to get that settled by like Monday before that, so that they could trade him on Tuesday. Not that they were even going to do that. They even told Henry they probably weren't going to do that. But yeah, l- long story short, um, it, it's really hard to get uh, big big name trades. I was disappointed most in the Broncos not trading one of their wide receivers, um, both for the sake of the individual receiver and also for Marvin Mims. I'm now cutting in all my redraft
2: leagues. Yeah, that's uh, for sure. In fact, no reason to keep them. And a lot of guys like that. I was also kind of hoping that uh, Dalvin Cook, who I've stashed as like a fifth running back in a deep league, would just be insurance, more than insurance, get a chance to have a chance to play for a winning team the second half of the season. That didn't happen either. So, of course, I will cut Dalvin Cook and find that he will probably be sprung into action if something happens to the Jet running game uh, here this weekend.
5: Yeah, I don't think he has much left in the tank. Um, Who's going to trade for him, I think, was the big question. I I think the answer was pretty much uh, resolved there. Uh, I know he was asking for a trade. He's disgruntled, but he's got to show something. Um, And I know a lot of that is the Jets' offensive line, too, but uh, I don't know. I mean, he should not be cutting into Brees Hall's carries. Brees Hall should Mm -hmm. be getting a lion's share of work. He is clearly superior, and I think that's been resolved.
2: Hey, meanwhile, uh, let's switch it to baseball for a second. You know, we got the World Series tonight. Rangers could wrap things up. How about the fact that we heard just today that the Padres took a fifty million dollar loan out to help cover payroll, per a report, and now Juan Soto's name more than ever is being talked about. And you wonder mm-hmm. if, if if a story like this could eventually lead to maybe a salary cap in baseball.
5: Uh, see, that's. My, I'm so cynical about this, Steve. I feel like this is a self-serving like, release. Oh, we had to do that. I may have had to do that. I mean, keep in mind, the reason they had to do it if they had to is because their TV contract blew up on them. Yep. Um, and that they, they, don't, they don't have a better future with that. But they sold out almost every single game. I mean, they're in stadium revenues this year,' out off the charts. Um, they lost money, they lost out on opportunities because they didn't make the playoffs, and so is going to be a free agent after the year. So that might be a good reason, and they might be trying to develop a little bit of cover for that. I'm so cynical, Steve, though. I I understand this, but, yeah, it's possible they lost money. I, I, I prove it. You know, I I think that that's my uh, kind of response to all that there. Um, is, and if it's used as jockeying for a salary cap, I'm going to be especially skeptical.
2: I agree. Meanwhile, if I'm the Padres, if I'm really having this much issues right now with uh, with payroll. They would probably be very wise if they found a way to package one of their other big signed price guys in with Juan Soto. Maybe Xander Bogarts goes in a trade. Maybe Manny Machado. Maybe somebody like that. Because it's a lot of money they've got tied up right now. And considering their season and the end result, I would be very surprised if San Diego keeps all those high-priced players into next season.
5: They're all fresh contracts, too. That's Chicago right. just got a re- uh, an extension. Cronenworth just got an extension. Bogart's just signed this past offseason as the surprise team. Um, and they, they blew the Red Sox out of the water with that contract, and they're already thinking about moving it. Snell's a free agent. Uh, Hater's a free agent. It could be a very different-looking Padres team next year.
2: And meanwhile, A.J. Prowler still has a job.
5: Yes, and they, 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 they're giving up their manager. Mm-hmm. Too. I mean, mm-hmm. this is the second time. That's right. A manager, Bob Melvin's been under contract with the team and been allowed to go elsewhere. Think about that. Uh, first with the A's and now with the Padres.
2: That's true. That's true. And it's wild because you're right. The Padres were able to get him from the A's, and then they uh, they just not not only did they allow him to walk, they let him go to a division rival. Think about that. Yeah.
5: And there was talk about a rift between Preller and Melvin, and I could believe it, but. You know, they said the obligatory, oh, no, we're great. We really respect each other, blah, blah, blah. But, you yeah, know, there's probably a, a rift there. I, I've heard, you know, similar pushback on Preller from other sources as well. So, hey, I mean, hey, this is a put up or shut up. You're coming up for the Padres for sure. I mean, I, the thing is, teams would be wise to go after Soto. I mean, it depends on what they get for You know, to give up to get him. But um, big walk year for him. He was strong in the second half. He's still the pro, right age where still in his prime i mean he, he's clearly the prime target if you're trying to go out and you know go out and win this year for sure
2: does the world series end tonight and then preview what's up on the website at rotowire.com
5: not quite sure about that i'm horrible about predictions but at least they have zach Gallen going instead of a bullpen game um, so there is that. We're gonna have a new set of rankings. It's a roundtable rankings. They're gonna be our top 350 coming up on the site on Friday. So uh, excited about that. I have to finish up my particular set of them there, but a quick look ahead to 2024 already too for fo- for uh, baseball. Obviously all of our football content, my value meter, uh, our, our streaming defenses article, all of our uh, free agent articles, you name it, we've got it for you on the football side. Rotowire.com/free get you a free peek behind the paywall, no credit card required.
2: Appreciate you, Jeff. Enjoy the game tonight, and thanks, as always, for the great conversation. You bet. Thank you, sir. Jeff Erickson, folks, as we continue. 20 minutes away, we'll get you ready for first pitch. World Series Game 5. Can the Rangers win it all? We'll find out, but up next, a trip back in time for a great story that Bobby Knight told uh, the Bear. And uh, now they're both together in heaven. We'll play that for you as Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso.